because all the college graduations have not happened yet, uh, they are estimating that there will be right around 4 million people that will graduate from college this year. And it is predicted that graduate, graduation rates will be down this year in high schools across America uh, because of the COVID issue and challenges of remote learning and isolation. The pandemic strain, according to the insider, resulted in record rates of mental illness among school students in the year 2020, and there is residue from that even today. The most recent graduation statistics that I could find were projections for 2022, and they were that 3,640,400 students will graduate from 26,727 public high schools with a total of 1.8 million teachers. Now that doesn't include private schools nor charter schools. That's just the public schools in America, according to the National Center for Educational Statistics. Someone else has found that 45% of our students say that they are stressed all the time. Now, it didn't delineate whether they were secondary students or primary, but just that 45% of our students say they are stressed all the time. And that's because we live in difficult times, don't we? Uh, there is talk of possibly a third world war going on right now. We are in a heated, conflict-ridden political climate right now. Our kids are bombarded with things like racism, critical race theory, wokeism, civil violence, and right now a much more heated debate on abortion as uh, somebody leaked out what the Supreme Court was going to do. And then there's open borders, gender confusion, climate change issues, supply issues, and weak compromising church issues rising occult influence in America, and censorship of free speech. Other than that, it's my estimation that things are deteriorating right on schedule, the way God has said that they would. I really know how to spread the sunshine on a Sunday morning, don't I? Huh? There you go. Uh, have a good day, right? Uh, our Christian young people need an anchor in those times, and not just uh, our graduates, but uh, all of us need an anchor in these times that we live in today. And we know as believers that that anchor is a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Because it is that relationship with God and what God is going to do for us each and every day that helps us walk through the valleys of the shadow of death or the shadows of calamity or the shadows of disaster or whatever lies ahead. I don't know uh, that I believe that America is ever going to be getting better. I don't think the world is going to be getting better. The Bible predicts that the world will just get worse and worse and worse until that day comes when Jesus calls us out of this and what I believe is the rapture. All right, let's read Psalm 23. It says this, The Lord Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not be devoid of things. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside restful waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the wagon tracks of righteousness for his name's sake. For even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, no wickedness, no calamity, no disaster, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I changed a few things than what you're probably uh, used to in reading that psalm, and that's because uh, of the translation that I did of it uh, for this particular passage today. In verses 1 to 4, we are going to learn that Jesus, and I'm using Jesus here even though this is an Old Testament text because it's talking about a good shepherd, and John 10 says that Jesus is our good shepherd, and he was there in his pre-incarnate state when David wrote this, and so he is our God, and I'm going to just use his name this morning. Jesus will provide our physical and spiritual well-being, and that's what I want us to pick up here in verses 1 through 4. I want to quote from Psalm 95, 6 through 7 where it says this, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. We are drawn to the sanctuary. We are drawn to where God's people worship because we know that we will have a steady diet there of the word of God and of fellowship and of prayer and of praising God. What we learn here is that God will take care of us no matter what the world intends to do to those who are his. The Bible is telling us that things will just get worse as the day grows nearer. We see lots of things happening. We hear lots of rumors about what people want to do uh, to the church and to God's people and to the followers of Jesus Christ. And it is not easy to live or to dwell or to go to school on a secular college campus where they talk about the uh, moronic ideas of Christianity and how foolish they are and how they really aren't true. And they're pulling our young people into deep water in order to drown them in the wisdom of the world or so-called wisdom of the world. In verse 1, Yahweh, Jesus, is my shepherd. And that's what I would like all of us to think about as we go through every day of life. Uh, Since the day that you graduated, could you say that Jesus is my shepherd, and he has been and he always will be. So I will not be devoid of anything that I need. And that word means that there is nothing that I will need in this life that God will keep from me or not provide for me. Everything that I need. God will make sure that I have. So some of the things that I don't have are probably things that God has determined I don't need, and so I don't have them. Uh, The good shepherd knows what we need. Our heavenly father knows that we have needs, and he supplies those needs, and uh, he will always do that, and especially when we put his kingdom first. And so that's one of the things I want to mention today a couple of times Uh, that uh, whether you're graduating today or not, we need to put the kingdom of God first in everything that we do. Matthew chapter 6 is where I'd like to go uh, for a little uh, illustration of that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 to 34. Our Lord Jesus in teaching says, For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. He knows you need food. He knows you need health. He knows you need clothes. He knows that you need a place to uh, have shelter over your head. Our father knows all that we need. Look at what he says. But instead of seeking those things and worrying about those things and longing for those things, instead, he says, seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I would like to know that Maggie leaves here and she is seeking the Lord Jesus Christ and the things of God and trusting in him for everything that she needs and I hope you do the same thing. A shepherd supplies for his sheep, and that's really what the background of the psalm is. This is not a psalm about, about sheep and pasture and flowing streams. It's a, different, it's a different idea altogether. Now, David knew about sheep. He knew about pasture. He knew what it was like to have water for his sheep. And so as, as he writes this psalm, he is trying to get us to see there's a better shepherd than I ever was. There was a better shepherd who is existing for all of us that will be God's children. A shepherd that supplies for his sheep, they depend upon him for that. The issue is, what is it you're depending on him for? God will supply your needs as well as, he, as David did for his sheep because he is the great shepherd. There is no one greater than the Lord God. There is no one greater than Jesus. And God is a spiritual leader. God is not just interested in like a shepherd would be, do my sheep have shelter at night? Can we get them into the fold and keep them safe? Do we have plenty of pasture for them to feed on? And do they have some place where they can get some water to drink? Now, that was pretty much the life of a shepherd, except during lambing time and all those things when uh, they really need some, some help with that. He's talking about people living in this world who need more than grass and water to survive. What they really need is someone to teach them spiritually and they need someone to provide for them physically. And that's what the psalmist is talking about. He is talking about the total needs that we have as children of God. This is an image uh, of God's teaching, this, this shepherd, this pasture, and this water. It's an image of God's teaching. He has the spiritual nourishment that we need. Does the Bible say that we need nourishment spiritually? As a matter of fact, it does. 1 Timothy 4, 6-7. It says, in pointing out these things, Paul to Timothy, in pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be good ser a good servant of Christ Jesus. Notice, constantly nourished on the words of faith. I know young people that go off to college and never set foot in a church. They feel like, well, I'm too busy in college. I'll get to God after I get out of college. And that's a problem. If you can't serve God while you're in college, then you don't serve God. Lots of them never come back to God or come back to the church with that kind of an attitude. You and I need to be constantly nourished on the words of faith. Somehow, for our spiritual life, we need nourishment. We need to study, we need to know, we need to work on our relationship with the word of God. Constantly nourished on the words of faith and sound doctrine, which you have been following, and have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women, on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. It doesn't matter what campus you go to, there's going to be opposition. I went to a Christian college and I found out as president of the student body uh, and also then president of the senior class that lots of people sent their kids to a Christian school as a last ditch effort to get them straightened out and to get them walking down the right road. And I'm here to tell you, somebody who got to deal with peers who were not doing what they're supposed to do on the college campus as the uh, head of the student council, it's a problem. And just because you say you're a Christian doesn't mean we're not going to have problems. If it's that way on a Christian campus, what's it like at a secular university? God is looking for people that are godly. 
And that means in my private devotion life and the way I live now and what I'm going to do when I get away from home. So I want to encourage you, Maggie, to find people that also want to be godly. Now, there's different Christian groups out there on campuses you can look at. Uh, I don't know what, what's uh, at your school. The quiet waters refers to the calm waters of cleansing. That's what God is thinking about, not sheep having a drink, but the waters of cleansing, the waters of rest, the waters of washing in a spiritual sense. And that's what the text literally is talking about, waters of rest. That's where God leads us by. This is not a psalm about real sheep in a pasture with water. It's about God's people. It is not rough water, which would mean distress for the people of God. It's not a raging torrent. It's not like some of the streams I've seen in Colorado growing up as a young boy or what I heard about in the big Thompson flood years and years ago where people died. No, this is a, this is a restful water. It's one where you can get cleansed uh, from the dirt of this world. There is plenty of rough water in today's secular university campuses. And they pull our children into the deep water, and they do that intellectually and every other way, and they try to drown them. God says, I want you to know that I am teaching things that will bring cleansing to you and healing to you that will be restful for your soul in the middle of the battle that you're entering into. In verse 3, Jesus provides for you. In the midst of the world's untruth, guidance in the right way is what Jesus is offering so he says, he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And there's some important stuff in there. Uh, look for God to direct your paths. Look for God to direct you through circumstances. And he's going to use those circumstances. He's going to use the written word of God. He's going to use godly teachers. He's going to use godly counselors to help you on the way and listen to them. Jesus will never be the one who would lead you in an unrighteous direction. He will always lead you in the right direction. The paths of righteousness are like well-worn wagon wheel tracks. And that's what this uh, Hebrew text, this word really means. It means those tracks that the wagons make. Now, the wagons I've seen have very narrow tracks on them, and there's not much deviation. And once you get a track, let's say like in a muddy road, it's better to stay in the track instead of get up on top and slide all over and go off. And so he is saying to us, he guides me in paths of righteousness in the well-worn tracks that he has already ordained for us. Stay in those wagon wheel tracks. He leads for his name's sake. So what he is saying here is that I have a way of righteousness. I want you to walk in those ways. It'll bring restoration to your soul. Uh, it'll bring you back to where you need to be. And he will guide you in those tracks of righteousness. And he does it for his name's sake. God is saying, I put my stamp of approval on what I'm asking you to do. I put my stamp of approval on the word that I have given you. And if you follow it, and if you do what it says, you're going to end up in the right place. And he said, I'm staking my reputation on that. I'm giving my word to that. And for my name's sake, I'm going to make sure that you have a righteous path that you can walk on. He leads for his name's sake. His reputation is on the line with how he tells us to live. And so his name guarantees that if you stick with him, you'll be on the right track. Jesus will defend you also in every dangerous situation. And that's verse uh, 4. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. And that word evil 
uh, is Ra in the Old Testament. It means calamity. It means disaster. It means bad things that happen. You will fear no evil, for you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In ancient Israel, uh, it wasn't much different than what Noel and I got to see when we were uh, leaving Jericho and heading up for Jerusalem. There's these huge valleys that are there. And what's amazing is that there was one place where uh, these monks have gone way down in this valley and on the side of a cliff, they built a monastery there. And you wonder, how on earth do you even get down there? I mean, it just looks like you've got to take ropes or something and scale to get down there, but they could do it. And so uh, in Israel, they were used to, and David was used to, various dangerous places with sheer cliffs all around them. And that's where robbers would like to go because they knew once you started down that valley, there's nowhere for you to get out. You're going to be stuck there with them. And there's dens of lions because they know the same thing. This is a place in the, in the valley where life could be truly threatened and even lost in that valley. It's dangerous. And God says he wants you to know, even though your life might take you through some of those things, even though your life might be in a place where there's danger all around and you could be threatened that God will never leave you and he will walk with you. So walk boldly with him because he will not abandon you in dangerous places. As Dr. Alan Ross pointed out here, his rod and his staff, the rod and staff of God's rulership are for your care and for your defense. This psalm is mostly about God's gracious spiritual and physical provision for each one of us. And I want it to be Maggie's as she goes forward. In verse five, we read, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. Imagine this, surrounded by your enemies, surrounded by those people who don't like the faith, that they don't like Jesus, they don't like what he teaches, and they don't like you because you've called yourself a Christian. We learn here that like a gracious host at a banquet, God will provide your spiritual and physical needs. Imagine in the midst of your enemies, God preparing a table for you, a place of sustenance for you, a place of safety for you, where he is going to take care of you. God does provide our food for us. The Bible is clear. Even in the presence of enemies, we are safe in his land and in his hand. In David's day, oil was used for grooming and was a welcomed event by the guests of the host. They would go to someone's house and there was oil there for grooming and foot washing for people because they wore sandals and their feet got really dirty. They looked forward to this gracious provision. And I'd like Maggie to look forward to the gracious provision of God as she goes forward. It made one feel like they were an honored guest and here, Our guest is, uh, we're a guest of God, and God is treating us as an honored guest. Guest. Uh, Know that God delights to honor you. That's what he wants to do and provide for you. If you honor God, he will honor you. Back in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2 and verse 30, there was a person that was not honoring God not doing what they were supposed to do, so they got in trouble with God. But that's where God reminds his children of this truth in 1 Samuel 2.30. Therefore, the Lord God declares, I did did indeed say that your house and your house, your father, uh, should walk before me forever. 
And here's the bad part, but now Yahweh declares, far be it from me. What's happening is Eli's sons are getting chastised for their irreverence at the temple and for doing strange sacrifices and for sleeping with temple prostitutes. And God is about to rip the family of Eli from the priesthood. And he he says, uh, far be it from me. And he says, here's why I'm taking it away. Here's the reason. For those who honor me, I will honor and those who despise me will lightly be esteemed. God's looking for you and the rest of us, Maggie, to honor him, and he will honor you. And that can show up in a lot of different ways. This idea of God and being a welcome and an honored guest of his at a banquet is seen in a picture when Jesus, in Luke chapter 7, was invited to a Pharisee's house, and He came, and there was also a lady that uh, was a prostitute, and she showed up there too, and uh, apparently she was able to get into the house, and she was doing something for Jesus that the host didn't do, uh, that Jesus expected the host would do. And so this woman came in, and uh, Simon, who had invited Jesus, uh, was saying, you know, I don't think you realize who this woman is. Uh, None of us rabbis would even let her in the house. But turning toward the woman in verse 44 of Luke 7, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Well, (laughs) of course he did. He's just been talking about her. I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. That's not a gracious host at all. But she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, Jesus knew who she was, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. That's Simon. And then Jesus, in the end of that, forgives her sins. She gets to go to heaven when she dies. The whole issue is this. Jesus is a guest, I'm sorry, Jesus is a host who will honor his guests at his table. And it doesn't matter what's raging around you. He will set that table in the midst of our enemies because that's the kind of God that he is. God's cup of provision in his counsel of his word always overflows for us. And you will never lack for wisdom if you continually drink from the cup of God's knowledge. He serves this up in the presence of enemies so that you will uh, be able to stand against their onslaught. And you will do well despite the pressure that they put on you. And then finally in verse 6, he says, Surely goodness and loving kindness or loyal love uh, that, that he talks about in the Old Testament, a covenant love, will follow me all the days of my life. Now, I want you to see that prior to this time, the psalmist is talking about walking through life, walking through the valley of shadow of death. He's, he's out there somewhere, and he's living life. Here, he is saying that goodness and mercy of God, his loyal love, is going to follow me all the days of my life, but there's some place I want to go. And where I want to go is to the house of God, because out in the streets of life, I have an occasion to run across the word of God. I have some time to pray. I have some time to be taught. But if I could just get to the sanctuary, if I could just get to the Lord's house, then in that place, 
for the length of my days, I will have an abundance of teaching. I'll have an abundance of training. I'll have an abundance of fellowship in God's care. And so what the psalmist is desiring to do, and you know David's heart, it's to get to the house of God. It's to be where God's people are. It is to be in a place where all they want to do is teach the word of God to us. So we learn that God's goodness and love for us derives our, drives our desire to dwell in his sanctuary among his people. I hope that we all, uh, no matter when we graduated, have always had a drive to go to the house of God. I'd like to see our young people leave here and, and go to church. And uh, in, in past years, I don't do it anymore because it just got a little discouraging for me, so I quit. But when they'd come back at Christmas after they'd been gone, I would ask them on the way out, uh, are you going to church? Oh, yeah, yeah, pastor, I'm going to church. I said, really? <laughs> What's your pastor's name? I've only had one person be able to tell me what their pastor's name was. I have, uh, I have better ideas about uh, Maggie and about some of our recent graduates, that they've made that uh, getting to the house of God a priority, and it's important. We learn that God's goodness and his loyal love toward us is ours for the duration of our life now and to eternity. You see, what he's saying is God has what you need for life. He has training in spiritual areas. He's going to take care of you physically. He's going to guide you and direct you, and that's what this psalm is about. God's goodness and his loyal lover toward us all of our life, no matter the situation, if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death or if I'm in the safety of his sanctuary. Here David focuses on the house of Yahweh. The faithful will want to meet him in his house because of his goodness and love toward them as they've walked through life and as they go down the road. Uh, those who love the Lord can't, can't wait to be in the house of God because there they learn and there they grow and there they fellowship. Uh, this goodness and love towards us, that is his loving care, will never run out. In his church, we have constant access to this particular provision of spiritual nourishment and this is where you can grow. It doesn't mean you can't grow outside and with your Bible and things like that. But David says, I belong in the house of the Lord. And I can't wait to get there. In his church, we have a constant access to his provision in spiritual nourishment. It should be a banquet for you uh, when you come and listen to the word of God. Um, I want to personally commend Maggie. Uh, that I know this because we've talked, <laughs> not as much as I want to, but we've talked about it. Uh, she's already looking for a church, and I think you maybe have found one, right? Or you're going to try at least. And she knows to look for people that teach the Word of God the way it is written. And so I'm, I'm so happy about that and proud of her for that. And I also uh, want to commend her for working uh, to identify things that are not of God that she wants to avoid. Now, a few weeks ago, and we were in the book of Proverbs, we got to talking about the occult and cultic things and satanic things. And uh, I brought a list of things that we're to look out for. I've added to that list all kinds of things over the years. And uh, Maggie had something else that night in youth group, couldn't be there. But the next week, I think it was, she asked me for, for that uh, sheet. And I just said, what do you want it for? And she said, well, how am I going to know what to avoid? when I get there. Uh, that is insightful. I wished adults would ask me, how do I know what to avoid? And I'd give you one of those. Uh, things like yoga, 
are not of God, you need to avoid those. Uh, things like Bloody Mary seances, the kids have at college campuses that are not, uh, not as fun as they think they are, they're real, and demons are involved. Things like horoscopes and acupuncture and all kinds of things that are of the occult that we want to avoid. And I uh, appreciate you getting that for the reasons that you did. And then lastly, personally to her, uh, I want to thank her for the times that you ministered with Noel and I, um, mostly at the nursing homes over the years. One time during the outreach committee, she did something at the fair with us. Uh, but I was telling them last night, when we first, <laughs> when we first started singing, here's this little girl that's not afraid to be in front of crowds. I think she was trained that way, right, with the, uh, with the uh, program that she's been in and not afraid to speak up and not afraid to sing. She has a beautiful voice, so we'd pull up a chair so she could see the people. And then one day I said, can I pull up a stool for you? She says, Pastor, I'm big enough, I don't need a stool. Okay, and so she started singing from there. She would lead, she'd tell them what, what uh, book, uh, what number to turn to, and I just wish we could have done that more, but uh, all these high school kids are busy. But I, I appreciate that, Maggie, that you did that. Keep serving Jesus where you go. Now, for all of us, just we need to remember that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. And you have a personal relationship with him. I know Maggie does. I think most of us here do. He is your rock. So uh, along with Maggie, trust him. God will take care of your needs, especially in the spiritual areas of life. You are a lamb among wolves, and I mean that literally in uh, the secular campuses. Trust in the strength of God and the power of your shepherd, and he will guard you through it all. Continue to drink from his restful waters and feed in his green pastures, and you know what that means spiritually. He is going to provide that for you. Grow in the knowledge of his wisdom and don't stray from him. And we hope that whenever you're back, you'll come and worship with us. I'm going to uh, bring this sermon to a close because I know our graduates on graduation are supposed to get to the school right away. So I'm ending this early uh, for her behalf and don't think this is going to happen every week. That's all. I just want to make sure you know. Application number one, my prayer is that we would all accept the cleansing taught in God's word and that we would be nourished by it. That's what the psalm is about. God provides it. And uh, more, more encouragement for Maggie. Be a shining light for Jesus wherever you go. I'm so thankful for our kids that have gone out and done that. And then finally, because God is going to use you in uh, public places where the rest of us maybe never will get, Maggie, honor him. What will God do if we honor him? He'll honor us. Let's pray. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. I want to thank you for your word that nourishes us. And we can depend on it because you put your name on it. And you will lead us never astray never into the occult, never away from you or into false teaching, but you will lead us in the tracks, the well-worn tracks of righteousness.
and I just want to pray uh, for Maggie as she goes to the university that you would use her in, in a mighty way for you, uh, that you would help her to find the church you want her to be a part of, that she would live for you each day, and that she would put you first and honor you. And we are looking forward to seeing how you will honor her and her efforts to live for you. I want to thank you for other kids that we have in college right now who are doing that and living for you and shining their light for you in dark places. I pray that you would show them exactly what you mean by preparing a meal for them in the presence of the enemy. And I pray it in Jesus' precious and holy name, asking your blessing on Maggie as she goes from this place. In your name we pray, amen.